and gentlemen, your attention, please. Just a catching yeah. strays over here. <laughs> You're in for a hell of a show. Keep the faith, hold the line, and own the libs. It's time for our main event. Welcome, folks, to a very special episode, a live episode of the Ruthless Variety Program, where we will be discussing last night's debate, fellas. Yeah, I mean, it was an exciting one. Yeah. A lot of fireworks on stage at this one. And, and I like going live because I feel like Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we've had to overcome some very significant OCD behavior in the setup for this. We'll yeah. just do it live. All of you are a little, <laughs> a little, I don't know if it was the Leatherwood yesterday or, yeah. you know, your excitement over the debate, but like, we got to settle in here a yeah, little Yeah, I bit. think, I mean, we're ready to go. <laughs> we're ready to go. <laughs> we are ready for this. Uh, let me start by saying, I think, not surprisingly, Megyn Kelly did an absolutely superb job, as you knew she would. But I thought the partnership with News Nation, having Eliana and Elizabeth on there, was a good mix. They asked real questions. I mean, Megyn's so good. She's just so good at it. That I think she got some, you know, she challenged candidates in a way that they hadn't been challenged with a line of questioning before and then allowed them to sort of interact upon that. Mm-hmm. Ran a tight ship. Like yeah. I, I love to see it when when you know candidates would go over their time. She would be like, "Listen, you have an allotted time, and you need to knock it off. No one is hearing you right now because I'm having to tell you to use you know your allotted time, and that's it." So yeah, I, I, love, I like when that happens. I love that the whole thing where she was like, "No one can hear you." Yeah, she says straight up, <laughs> "No one can hear." So great. She just like cuts through the the BS and just goes like right at it. Yeah, and, yeah. and with the questions too, right? Like. They were direct, pointed questions that are difficult questions, but questions that we should ask our candidates if we expect them to beat Joe Biden and be our nominee. Oh, that's completely right. So what we're going to do here is we're going to talk a little bit about this. We'll do general observations, and then I think we'll run through some clips and do some react. We've got four or five of them we want you to see because we think they are sort of important takeaways from this particular debate. You'll recall this is now the fourth debate Mm -hmm. that they've done. Uh, in my view, the best. And part of that is the size of the crowd. We're dealing with four people on stage rather than, I don't know what we started with, but that was an awful lot. Um, and we got down to it. Now, an interesting dynamic right from the top, at least for me, was that Nikki Haley, if you had any questions about where she was in the polls, it was validated by the amount of attention yep. that her opponents paid to her last night. She became, it was her turn in the barrel, yeah. so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she had been able to play a significant amount of offense in the first three debates, had to play a lot of defense last night. Yeah, I, I think just like you said, it's really clear that her poll numbers are surging. Everyone's taking note of it. So she had the target on her back and it showed. I think other than maybe Chris Christie, every, well, that just leaves Vivek. And DeSantis, now that the field has winnowed so much, every candidate was taking shots at her yeah. pretty much nonstop. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it was interesting. Um, you know, usually you, you, you get the Vivek versus Nikki. That's been a, a common theme for all of the previous yes. debates. This sort of hit like a new level. Yeah. Because he so. like brought visual aids. <laughs> Nikki equals corrupt. He held up at one point. And there are also some early fireworks between Vivek and Christie as it relates to his attacks on Nikki. Uh, can we play clip number two? Tell me about how you, you want to send those kids to die. You go do this at every debate. You go out on the stump and you say something. All of us see it on video. We confront you out on the debate stage. You say you didn't say it, and then you back away. And I want to I'll say what? Exactly no, what I said, I, I'm not I've done yet. Well, this now, is- Now look, this on. is- And you're saying this man is stealing. This man is stealing nonsense. 
This is the fourth debate, the fourth debate that you would be voted in the first 20 minutes as the most obnoxious blowhard in America. So <laughs> shut up for a while. I want to say something else. We're now 25 minutes into this debate, and he has insulted Nikki Haley's basic intelligence. Not her positions, her basic intelligence. She doesn't know regions. She wouldn't be able to find something on a map that his three-year-old could find. Look. If you want to disagree on issues, that's fine. And Nikki and I disagree on some issues. But I'll tell you this, I've known her for 12 years, which is longer than he's even started to vote in a Republican primary. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what Chris does best. And I, I think for all the people who have known what Chris is capable of followed 2016 as he virtually ended Marco Rubio's campaign. It wasn't virtually, he, bu- he body bagged yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, this is what you've been waiting and hoping for all along. Yes. And, you know, there is an open question about whether that helps him at all with Republican primary voters. You know, polling would, would suggest there's not a huge constituency for what Chris Christie is pitching. But the reason he's on that stage at all, the reason he's made it to the final four is that. Because he's got a unbelievable debate attitude mm-hmm. that he just sort of unleashes, and you have to pay attention to it because you can get you can get fucked up yeah, pretty he, easily. I mean, he doesn't care. I mean, he's just going to do his own thing. I mean, at one point during the debate, he said Donald Trump wouldn't be able to vote for himself because he'll be a convicted felon. Right, and people wow. booed. People booed, and he said, you know, you can basically you can boo all you want, you know, but at least I have the courage to acknowledge reality and. For him, that's like his thing. He wants to be on stage to say that, and he doesn't care. He's going to let the chips fall where they may. Oh, and his stage presence is undeniable. The guy is among the most entertaining candidates we have in the field. Agree with him or disagree with him politically, he delivers lines like nobody else. And he wouldn't take anything from Vivek. And we were talking, what set that up, and I'm glad you started with this clip, but what set that up was, remember, uh, Vivek was asking her to name some provinces. Yeah. And what you told me this morning, Michael, is in Ukraine, they're not even called provinces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is it called? Co- Oblast? Okay. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, the whole thing was a setup. I mean, the Vex question was, what provinces do you want to send American troops to? So if, like, you... If you answer the question, then he's like, oh, I got you, Neocon. You know what I mean? When did you stop beating your wife? Yeah, when did you stop beating your wife? And then if she named the provinces, which she eventually did, I saw a lot of people being willfully obtuse about that fact on the internet. Obviously, they like to do that because they support Vivek, which really means they actually support Donald Trump. But um, she answered the, the provinces. But the problem is, like, then you answer the provinces, and he's like, actually, those are called Oblast. You know what I mean? Like, it's just that's that's who Vivek is, right? He's the the kid in the front, uh, the but front row is asking for more homework from teachers. Here's the thing. So I I think um, the fact that it was on News Nation, right? And I think it was carried locally by CW. CW. Yeah. Um, I think the audience for this one is especially concentrated. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be. This is a Wednesday night. Who who's like okay? Set the calendar. Wednesday night, Republican primary debate. I'm going to be tuning in. I think you have a very concentrated audience, and I bet the overlap of that audience with online conservatives is almost a perfect circle, right? Mm. Because I was watching the reaction in real time online, and the online crowd 
was loving Vivek because online is essentially just like a battle arena, right? Yeah. Where, where especially on on Twitter now that people are free to be able to like speak their mind and not get perma banned, but people were like, "This is what we wanted." I've always said a debate is like a Roman Coliseum. People want to see blood. Yeah. They want to see combat. They don't want to be like, "So here's my you know five point plan." For how we can alleviate marginal tax rates among a certain group. You know, like, no one wants that. People are tuning in. They're, they expect this to be a brawl. They expect it to be a fight. Especially since, like, Donald Trump essentially in 2016 revolutionized what a debate is. A debate is essentially now just a shootout. You know, it's like a steel cage match. And fight, like, Chris Christie brought it. That got some, you know, audience reaction. A lot of folks, you know, in the primary may not agree with him. But that woke the crowd up. You could hear audibly. They started getting into it. Mm-hmm. But Vivek, you know, Duncan may disagree with him. But when he goes after someone, you know, when he he wants the combat, when he holds up a sign saying, like, Nikki is corrupt, you know, like, that's the showmanship. Well, it is the showmanship. But I think people also find it incredibly grating and annoying. I mean, my wife walked in uh, during the closing statements and her remark during Vivek was, he, he just said a lot of weird stuff. Like my wife, my, I liked his closing remarks. He said climate uh, is a hoax. I get it, but it's, it's part of the presentation problem for him. Yeah, well, it, but his, his his closing statement, I think, was "roses are red, Harambe's in heaven." Bush <laughs> had prior knowledge of nine eleven, pretty much, which was which was really like one of the most fascinating closing statements I think you could have ever heard from. But a it was it, it was sort of strange because there's the Vivek on the attack and mixing it up with Christie and mixing it up with Nikki, and then like there's also these like diamond in the rough moments where he just makes a ton of sense and the presentation is pitch perfect uh nick can we go to clip number four it is a very personal issue to our family i wanted to take actually a minute to recognize my wife who's here today badass surgeon she did a bunch of cases with cancer survivors earlier today flew here to be not tonight we'll be back at 7 a.m in columbus ohio tomorrow taking care of those patients in the or and on the front lines of people who have actually not swallowed for years. And here's what's something that's awful that's happening in our healthcare system. They'll pay for anything like feeding tubes, doctors to be pill pushers, but for the procedures that can actually make these patients better, we have a broken healthcare system that doesn't pay for it. My wife, Apoorva, in many cases, does not get paid for those procedures. She does them anyway because it's the right thing to do, but that does not work system-wide. So here's the answer. We don't have a health care system in this country. We have a sick care system. We need to start having diverse insurance options in a competitive marketplace that cover actual health, preventative medicine, diet, exercise, lifestyle, and otherwise. And here's how we deliver that. End the antitrust exemptions for health insurance companies. That's where the competitive marketplace begins. That's crony capitalism, and that's the answer. I mean, strong as hell. It's great. That's what makes us so mad about Ramaswamy. We've known him before he ran for president. You got a lot of that. Yeah. You know, there was a lot of really thoughtful examination about things he knows a lot about and things that he doesn't know a ton about, but was thoughtful about sort of how you would go about fixing things. And candidly, you don't get a lot of that out of this presidential campaign. And that's why we get so upset. I mean, the reason it, fe- it feels like we are picking on this guy all the time is because we knew him. Yeah, and he wasn't that. I mean, We're, this is a so, guy. I, I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. So here's the thing. I want to. I want to exclude myself from that. I say he's a Renaissance man. 
He can give you a, a honest, thoughtful take, and that is based on experience. You know, his wife is a doctor, sees this, yeah. can give him. He personalized it really well. Mm-hmm. That great presentation of, of, of making that firsthand. But he also can bring the fireworks. Because the thing is, like, I think the Nikki Hale example is perfect. Because here's the thing everyone on that stage in their heart knows. She knows a hell of a lot more than any of them do about foreign policy. And it's not even close, right? Like, right. she'll be able to name every Oblast in Ukraine, you know, alphabetically and reverse alphabetically. <laughs> and they all know that. So the way to attack that strength is like Vivek did. Wait, don't d- try wait, to argue. You think, it's, you think it's a good idea to, to insinuate that the former UN ambassador couldn't find something your three-year-old could find on a map? Yes. You don't find that demeaning? You don't think maybe that was off-putting to women? You have to do anything you can to take someone's strength away. I'm not going to be like, you know what? I got to see the field. This is clearly the best foreign policy candidate up here. Yeah. I would not. There was a good it, moment later on in the debate that I think illustrated exactly what you guys are getting at with him, where there are moments where he makes a point that I think resonate deeply with Republican voters. Point, the attack he was making on Nikki Haley is, uh, she opened up her campaign with only a woman can do this job. Yeah. And she has repeatedly come back to the woman deal, which you hear a lot of out of the left, frankly. Mm -hmm. Right. That was the point he was making, which was actually, I think, resonated with an awful lot of people. And then in the next sentence, he says, this is a lady who would send your kids to die so she can have a bigger house. (laughs) It's like, that's a very serious I, I, it's accusation. Not, it's just not like you don't belong on that stage. When you're doing that, I mean, this is a presidential election. Like, this is not a city council hearing. This is not a, you know, a, a competition for the 8 p.m. slot on cable news. Like, this is a presidential election. You can't say shit like that. And I'm not saying you can't because you just shouldn't. But it's like the presidents don't. Presidents don't say stupid they do. shit like that. Uh, that's modern presidential. I, I just we've had a it's president not, who doesn't like. It's just not serious. Trump and got I, up there and said, "Rand Paul's ugly." Yeah, it's true. Straight up, he said, "Rand Paul's ugly," and the crowd clapped, and he won the primary. But you know why he does it? Because it's he's fun. Trying, and the audience loves it. He's funny. Yeah, Trump, that's the right, difference. Right. Trump, Trump Donald actually, Trump does it, and he does gives you a wink and a smile, or a, you know, does the observation point, point, point where he's yeah. like, you know, many people are saying, yeah. And it's like he's part of the crowd making a commentary. You talk about this all the time. He breaks the fourth wall. Okay, that's a good right. point. That's it's a good com- point. It's commentator Trump. He's your buddy on the couch with you. Like, can you believe this? Can you believe this guy? Right. Whereas is Ramaswamy is the kind of guy that if you got cornered, if he's doing this routine and yeah. you got cornered at a cocktail party with him, you're like, Jesus, how do I, how do I get out of here? Right. You know, it's just like very, very grating. And I've never understood that. But I think one of the things that it does, and I know we're going to get into this, is when he is doing this just sort of strafing of the crowd, it does set apart people like Ron DeSantis. Yeah. It makes him doing nothing, which I I think he had his best debate. I'll just say that. I think this was a command performance by Ron DeSantis. But him doing absolutely nothing with all that going on makes him look like a president of the United States pretty quick. (laughs) One thing I noticed, I don't know if, uh, I I don't think we have a clip of this, but whenever... You had Vivek and Nikki going back and forth, or Vivek and Chris Christie going forth. And you, from the side, you could see Ron DeSantis. He was smiling every <laughs> yeah. time. Like, he could not hide. And it was a, his normal smile. Yeah. He was having a good time smile. Um, he was enjoying every moment when it was everybody else going after chopping each other up. He was loving it. And so I think there was a lot of, of you know, uh, um, upside for him to be on a stage surrounded with everyone going after each other you know nikki is surging the targets off of his back because for so long for like 
six months essentially he had the target on his back yeah. of like this guy's number two we got to bring him down we got to go after him you know every ie i think has pretty much run an ad against ron DeSantis. <laughs> he, he's been carpet bombed to hell so he loved the opportunity of like okay everyone's going after each other and he got to brag about his resume in a yeah. way i don't think he's had an opportunity to be able to yeah. and, and his resume in florida is stellar. and he, and he, he yeah. got to like pick his moments here to really shine and i totally agree holmes i think it was his best debate i think every debate he does he's been getting better and better mm -hmm. uh and this one stands out for me um nick can we play uh what clip do we want here um the desantis uh, clip three we disagree with but the minute you start to take those rights away from parents you don't know that slippery slope what rights are going to be taken away okay. next and what's going to be not have, on as you. a Go parent ahead. you do not have the right to abuse your kids this is cutting off their genitals this is mutilating these minors. These are irreversible procedures. Uh, and this is something that other countries in Europe, like Sweden, once they started doing it, they saw it did incalculable damage. They've shut it down. I signed legislation in Florida banning the mutilation of minors because it is wrong. We cannot allow this to happen in this country. Mm. Yeah, he's he's at his best when he's unequivocal, when he speaks so clearly with force. And there's no there's no like weird smile at the end of it because he is on. He's given you everything that, you know, yep. that he's capable of, which we saw so much of during covid. And a big piece of this is I noticed this in many of his answers last night. A big piece of this is as the rest of the crowd is qu questioning the authenticity or integrity of each other and whether they believe what they're saying or you know what they're if they passed statements contradict it when it came to ron desantis he could also say what he believed in and be like and that's why i did it yeah that was right yep. it, which is a put away shot thing. in this debate you can't question somebody's credentials on somebody who actually did the thing right and it was almost every single issue that came up he did what he just did there which yeah. is this is how I feel about it, and that's why I did this. Yeah. So a very this is a pro tip for any kids who are going to be applying to jobs out of college or whatever. The purpose of every statement that you say in your resume, you should back up with an example. Mm. Say, oh, you know, I did this and it increased profit by this amount. You know, whatever. He did that game plan to a T last night. Every time when he'd say, "You're soft on China," I banned uh, you know companies from China in my state. They can't buy land. Yeah. Here's how I did it. You know, like every single time he made a point or had something to say, he could always come back to, and that's why I did it. And he did it on a variety of subjects. I think one of his best answers was on the subject of the border and on immigration and the flow of fentanyl coming over the border. I've got a clip that's just a little bit longer because I think it's important to hear everything that uh, DeSantis is saying in clip number five, Nick. So, Governor DeSantis, I'd like to start with you. You have pledged to send the military to the southern border on day one of your administration with orders to shoot, quote, stone cold dead anyone illegally entering with a backpack that you believe contains fentanyl. Critics have called this a shoot first, ask questions later policy that would amount to extrajudicial killing. You are a former military lawyer. Why do you think this idea of yours would be legal? The drug cartels are invading our country and they are killing our citizens by the tens of thousands every year. Uh, we had a situation in Florida. There was an 18-month-old baby that was crawling on the floor of an Airbnb rental. There was fentanyl residue on the carpet and the baby died. 
Is this acceptable in this country? I know the elites in D.C., they don't care. They don't care that fentanyl's ravaging your community. They don't care that illegal aliens are, are ravaging our community and overwhelming our community. The commander-in-chief not only has a right, you have a responsibility to fight back against these people. And does so that mean gonna, shooting first? It means you're going you're gonna to uh, categorize them as foreign terrorist organizations, uh, and we will identify just like we would anywhere. When I was in Iraq, the, the, the Al-Qaeda wasn't wearing a uniform. You'd see anyone walking down the street, they all had man dresses on. You didn't know if someone had a, a bomb, an IED attached, or not. And so you had to make a judgment based on intelligence, based on positive identification. But we're going to be able to get the intelligence on these cartel people. And here's the thing. If we had a wall across the southern border, which I support, this would not have happened. We need to build a wall across the southern border. I'll get it done, and I'll make for I'll, Mexico is supposed to pay for it. Remember, here's how you do that. I'm going to have fees on remittances from foreign workers when they send the money back to foreign countries. We're going to tax it and we're going to build a wall with that. So, yes, you should have had that, but we don't have it. I'm going to build it, but we have to lean in on this problem. I am not going to sit there and allow mothers to lose more kids because of fentanyl overdose. I am not going to sit there and let sex trafficking go unabated or Thank human you. trafficking go unabated. There's going to be a new sheriff in town and these drug cartels better buckle up. I mean, in, in politics, tone is everything. And on an issue that's that important to our country and that important to Republican primary voters, they needed to hear something like that from their candidate with that sort of tone. And that's the tone he used for two years in the state of Florida mm -hmm. when everybody was shooting at him and he stood up and he was he was stood against it like I. This is the tone that if he replicates over and over and over again, this is this this can win it. For and him. I, that was a. I have never heard that plan before, but that's a good one. Yeah. If you're sure, yeah. if you're a foreign worker and you're sending money to Mexico, guess what? There's a tax on it. Well, that pay for it. Oh, well, it turns out he thinks about these kind of things. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he's got policy chops. Mm -hmm. He he handles these things. That's why they've made so much progress in Florida. But again, I think, you know, Chris Christie did what he is there to do, as we just discussed, and he performed as he was going to perform. I think it's obvious that he's not going to be the Republican nominee for president of the United States. Now, we'll see how this whole thing shakes out. I think he definitely deserved to be on that debate, debate stage. You saw Ramaswamy, you know what I think about that. What we're talking about here on answers like that, and then how Haley has conducted herself in the surge in the polls, is we're down to a two-person two race, essentially. Aren't we, fellas? Yeah, I think it feels so. Like it. Yeah. I mean, that's what it looked like on the stage last night. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody was jumping ugly on Nikki. And Ron had just point after point doing what he, they've now elevated to a different place. And I know there's two more uh, CNN debates that were announced today in Iowa and New Hampshire. And the threshold for qualifying for those is 10 percent, three polls at 10 percent. There's exactly two other than Donald Trump that qualify for that sort of thing. Right. So I think this is winnowed down to a point where we're going to have a real look at somebody being an alternative to Donald Trump as a, as a result of this process. Yeah. Um, I think Nikki did a really good job in her closing uh, statement of sort of setting up that contrast with Donald Trump in that audition yeah. of what you're saying. Like, who's going to be the alternative to Donald Trump in this race who has a pathway to go one-on-one -on -one with the guy? Um, can we play that Nikki clip? It's number one. We have to stop the chaos, but you can't defeat Democrat chaos with Republican chaos. 
And that's what Donald Trump gives us. My approach is different. No drama, no vendettas, no whining. <laughs> yeah, that's her that's her point. Yeah. That's the crux of her entire campaign. I mean, yeah. she's got policy chops, she's got depth, she knows more about foreign policy, but really what she's selling from day one is that. Yeah, I I mean, the other reason I sort of played that clip is I wonder if it's ambitious enough. Hmm. You know, mm. like, is it ambitious enough to say, you know, there's too much chaos going on? Like, I think most people who are voting for Donald Trump, like, sort of have embraced the chaos at this point. Mm -hmm. You know, they're along for the show. Mm -hmm. And Donald Trump is a show. You know, if you see these rallies now, it really is. It's like the Grateful Dead. You know, people travel around the country to see the guy do his thing. <laughs> you know, it's as much entertainment as it is politics. Yeah. I don't know if that breaks through. You know, like I, I have to think there has to come a time where people point out the fact that Donald Trump lost to Joe Biden. I think, yeah, I think, you know, and then exactly. I, I have a better chance of winning the election. Is that important to you? Would you like to win? Mm -hmm. You know, um, I think they got to get there. And if you're not going to get there, I don't know how you close the gap with Donald Trump. I, I think that's point. the thing is, I think um, I think it resonates the message of like, oh, you know, no drama with me there's not gonna be the chaos but if you tighten the same way that desantis frequently did of and i can actually win yeah because republicans are hungry to win they want to yeah. win they're I, done with this uh you know disappointing cycles of, of of not getting the red wave we anticipated or not getting the w at all i think republicans are really done with it so when desantis brings it up yes that gets some attention but i i think duncan's right is if she were to tie that of like you know I, there'll be no chaos only winning because I can actually win. She very briefly in one exchange, uh, I, I think a moderator was half speaking over it. She she brought up the fact that because in polling, I'm crushing Joe Biden in like every swing state. She tried to get that out there, really, uh, you know, didn't get much attention. But I think tying it to like, you won't get chaos, you'll get a win. And the fact is I'm leading Biden in all the polls. I think that's a, a stronger argument. Yeah. Yeah. The electability piece has got to be front and center if one of these people are going to have a real shot at Donald Trump. But so let me ask you this. I think a quality debate uh all i think all of our comments reflect that do you think at the end of this anybody made a move to separate themselves from the crowd further than there already is i i don't think so i i really don't i mean i think that that we know who the top two contenders are against trump and i think that their numbers are very tight in uh, that first state of iowa and i mean we've seen it reflected in the polls and i don't think that there was anything that Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley did to separate one of themselves from the other last night. I just I think that that all of the the ground game that's going into what's happening in Iowa is is happening um, s separately, and that's going to determine who actually wins or who who finishes a little higher in Iowa. I, I really I really don't. I don't know if you guys have, take, have a different view, but. Um. Well, just to reiterate, I think it was Ron DeSantis' strongest debate. I mean, his command of the facts and his record and tying that record into everything that he said. I think if you just look at the crowd reaction to a lot of the stuff he was saying, it clearly resonated. Yeah. You know, I think if you took a poll of everybody who was sitting in that room, they would say he won the debate. I think he won the debate. I think he set himself out there as, like, you know, the best position to benefit from this. I don't know if ultimately he will because... You know, we've had four of these already, and the numbers haven't moved tremendously. Uh, Nikki's went up from the first debate, obviously. But, like, what DeSantis is, is doing in Iowa um, is different. Outside of the ground game, they're also up with a new 
TV ad, former Trump supporters talking about why they got to support Ron DeSantis, making some more of those Mm -hmm. electability arguments. I'm curious if this gets one-on-one with Nikki Haley, we get into those sort of brass tacks. Yeah. Be like, I have a path to take on Donald Trump one-on-one and finally get him on stage. Mm-hmm. Do you, Nikki? Yeah. And vice versa, right? And like, I mean, I, th- I think that's ultimately the next argument that needs to take place between these two uh, candidates who clearly have set themselves above the other two. Mm-hmm. Well, so my take on last night is I think it kind of was a possibility that Nikki could, you know, if she had a strong showing there, it would it would start being just like kind of like the train is leaving the station kind mm-hmm. of a moment. And I think DeSantis did a huge amount to save himself. He remains in the argument. If you know, there was a chance that it could have been the end because there was there's been that much momentum building since the previous debate mm-hmm. for Nikki. Like, you know, a lot of interest from from donors who've been sitting on the sideline. Um, you know, from folks who think, okay, this this is, you know, looking at the polling, Nikki could be the one. I think DeSantis did himself a tremendous amount of favor by staying in the thick of things, making himself look strong. So I think he's still in there. I will also say, you know, I think Vivek makes it to the next debate. It was announced today CNN's going to have the next two debates, so there are going to be two more. Iowa, New Hampshire, I believe. I think Vivek makes it. I don't know if Christy makes it. You know, thank God he finally showed up the, like, hatchet guy. Christie with his attack last night. Um, real quick, I did a, a ombudsman <laughs> fact check crunching the numbers. Uh, so when Ron DeSantis said that you know he would use remittance uh, attacks on remittances to Mexico to pay for the wall, so the Trump budget for the wall called for eighteen billion dollars over ten years. That's one point eight billion dollars a year. Last year. $60 billion was sent to Mexico. So mm. a 5% tax on that it would, get it would be 50% more than the Trump budget. It's almost like he yeah. thought about these things. I mean, it, so the numbers make sense. Yeah. The numbers make sense. Yeah, it's just like uh, office space. You just got to take, you know, pennies. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's on every agree. transaction. <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, listen, I, I, think, I think this thing is going to be basically the same. We went through a summer where DeSantis was going backwards. I think that over the last six weeks, he not only stopped the bleeding, but he's gotten, as you said, better each and every time out. And I think he's better on the stump now than he's ever been. And I think the fact that he is now sort of in a neck and neck with Nikki has less to do with what he's been doing over the last few weeks than what she has been doing. And she'd been consolidating a whole bunch of people that were maybe thinking about Tim Scott or maybe thinking about Mike Pence or maybe thinking about somebody else, Burgum, or somebody else in the in the race. And... So she's been cobbling together these things and growing. Mm, that's a good point. I along. think she really is picking up the folks who leave the candidates are dropping. I think so. And I think that's what she's looking at with somebody like a Chris Christie who's on this debate stage because he's got six, seven percent in New Hampshire. And that would be a big deal if that ended up going to Nikki Haley. So I think strategically she's doing this differently than he's doing it. But I don't think he's moving backwards. And in fact, if there is a pitch to make to people who are currently saying that they're voting for Donald Trump, he's the only one that's making it. Yeah. He's the only one that's making it. I don't know whether or not that coalition can be cracked. It was in February of last year. It was cracked wide open. And Ron DeSantis had 40% of it. Donald Trump had like 42% of it. And so it is. it was there at one point. But now after the 91 indictments and the summer of trouble for DeSantis, I don't know if you can reconstitute it. But that's what he's trying to do. And I think he's boiled it all down and gotten back to an authentic, as you were saying, Ashbrook, 
Ron DeSantis, Florida governor, and this is what I can do for you as president, which is his best stuff. Mm. Uh, one thing I would like to add, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. For about 15 minutes of the debate, the discussion was which candidate would defend me the most. <laughs> you know, the, a very significant... You almost got a name check. We were so I would, close. I, I thought it was well, coming. Well, I, I was the elephant in the room because I, <laughs> you know, a significant portion of the Republican grassroots stands with me and knows this is a central issue. So that's why they were discussing it. You even saw it never back down. The, the DeSantis Super PAC played the clip about me. You know, sent that out. Phil Cox retweeted oh. it. It's a very this is central mind of all Republican <laughs> primary voters. And I think it's like Grover's got the taxpayer protection yeah. pledge. There has to be the smug protection pledge. I want every candidate on there to sign. You know, they will do whatever is necessary to ensure my safety and well-being. And the Duncan pledge is the exact opposite. The first candidate who <laughs> promises to drag him to Guantanamo Bay <laughs> earns my vote. <laughs> earns my vote. Uh, the the other thing um, that is sort of interesting, I don't know if you guys picked up on this. Vivek clearly listens to the show. <laughs> yeah. And, and in particular, listened to the Nikki Haley episode because yeah. he actually referenced an attack that Nikki had on him during the interview. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. Show. That's right. You know, guys, like, give us a shout out. A little song. How about a little just, something for the effort? Just name check the program a little bit. There was well, I mean, that's a couple a, of them. I mean, you mentioned one. You did another with yeah. the Nikki thing. I think there was another one mixed in there somewhere that I was like, hey, wait, that happened on our show. If, right? you, if you want to be politically informed, you listen to this. I mean, it's the true. candidates themselves do. Yeah. Oh, it's true. And we love doing it. And we thank everybody for joining us here today because this was a a quick little knockdown and after the Leatherwood last night I gotta tell you this is a real command performance <laughs> yeah. by each of you to be able to keep it together and have some cogent analysis here today yeah <laughs> so I think we did it I think so absolute banger of a live stream drama and thank you so much to our viewers and uh, remember check out today's episode especially on YouTube if you have not yet so until next time minions keep the faith hold the line and own the libs we'll see you on Tuesday stay ruthless 